Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. As we're here tonight to receive communion and just for a few short moments study the relevance of the cross and it being more than just a religious symbol, something that if we really get into the Word of God and discover its true uh, truth, that we'll discover what the Bible says about it is true, that there's power in the cross. Amen. That there's power in the cross. And we, when we begin to discover the purpose of that power, what that power is for, and when, when we begin to apply it to our lives, it's amazing how that power works if we'll just work it. Now listen, I thank God for the power of the resurrection, the life of God. Thank God we've got the life of God in us. If you're born again, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have the life of God on the inside of you. Isn't that great? Oh, thank God. Thank God for the life of God. Amen. But there was an effectual working of power through the cross and through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that affects our life on the earth right now, especially in the light of the new birth. Amen. Now, if you will, first of all, just a few quick scriptures. Go, if you will, to... to, to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, I've got all mine marked and everything so I won't have to be fiddling around with two or three Bibles. 1 Corinthians, they're in chapter 1. Now there in verse 17, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, first of all, uh, without going back up into the chapter and trying to do a lot of teaching, he's speaking about water baptism right here. Because, you know, sometimes the, the church tries to divide on some of the silliest things. And that was happening in the church at Corinth. Some of them were saying, hey, I got water baptized by Paul. Others were saying, well, I got water baptized by, by Apollos. And others were saying, well, I got water baptized by this guy or that guy. And they were kind of taking sides based on who water baptized them. Well, don't look so shocked. <laughs> people have done that all the people. Well, I'm of Brother Copeland or I'm of Brother Hagen or I'm of Oral Roberts or I'm of this one or that. People are always trying to choose sides. Listen, don't do that. Just side with the Word of God and you'll be fine. Now, that one's for free. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So then the next verse he says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now God is showing us by the Holy Ghost and through Revelation, he says, I'm going to do something so amazing, mysterious to the human mind, but it's going to be so amazing that when discovered by those that love me and those that I reveal it to, it's going to amaze them how powerful it will work in their life. Amen. Now notice the word power there. When you begin to look at that word and study that word power, it literally talks about an inward power that manifests outward. Something working on the inside that once ignited comes to the outside. Amen. Now, with that in mind, I want you to go... Uh, Go to Psalms, go to Psalms 22. Go to Psalms 22, but put your finger in Isaiah 53. Most people should have Isaiah 53, just your Bible almost fall open to it, amen? Uh, you know, really, I mean, that's one of those great redemptive scriptures that God showed us uh, hundreds of years before redemption ever took place. Now, this is kind of the same vein. I wanted us to, 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 to understand something by the Word of God about not just what we would call, quote, the religious significance of the cross, but of the true Word of God that imparts faith that helps that power that's in the cross come alive in your life. Amen. Let me just say it like this. All of us need some death in our life. But you need the right kind of death. You say, what do you mean by that? You don't need the death that this world and world system produces for, through fear and doubt and unbelief. You need the type of death provided for you already by Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He came to die so that we might have a death. 
or that we might die to something. Amen? So, we begin to look in the Word of God, and, and as you start in Genesis and Exodus, begin to look at creation and all that was going on, we know that in God's creation, He said to His creation not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 2, 26, I think it is. 26, 27, right in there. The day you eat thou of, thou shalt surely die. Everybody say die. Now, they, they didn't, it would be like just, you know, saying, somebody saying something to you that you didn't understand the words. What does the word die mean? What does the word die? They did not know what the word die meant. They knew that what God was saying was ominous because it was a warning to them. But they ate and they partook of the fruit. But you notice it was not a poisoning, so to speak, in which they ate of something that immediately they fell over dead physically. But a poisoning began in that the true essence of who they were in creation, which were spirit beings clothed with a body that possessed a soul, that individual spirit being became separated from its source of life. It died. Now, I, I don't, we don't go around, you know, trying to freak people out or scare people, but in reality, people who are not born again there is an element of death to them like there was to us before they got saved. You say, what is that element of death? They're separated from God. And separation from God is very obvious what it pro produces. Have you <laughs> seen what's going on in the earth? That's what separation from God, after 6,000 years of evolution in reverse, what man is doing to himself right now, which, you know, I just choose to try and not believe if only 1% of what a lot of people are saying is true. <laughs> We're in real trouble. Thank God for the cross. Amen. You say, why? Because that trouble that comes on humanity, its effect on the church is not going to be near as bad or near as severe because we got some answers to that. And I dare say that this, God will raise up a church or a group of people in which it will not have any effect on, just the opposite, the church will have an effect on it. That's the direction we're headed. Amen? So understand that, that man became separated. Death came into the human experience in the garden. And the relevance of that is we see in Romans that every seed reproduces after its own kind and Adam's sin became our sin. You're like, man, that's not fair. Well, it's not fair. It was an unrighteous criminal act that produced it. <laughs> Crime is not fair. Amen. I talked to somebody the other day that got their uh, 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 catalytic converter was stolen. <laughs> and boy, they were just upset. Like, what can you do? Can you lock it? I said, you know, that's just kind of the nature of the world right now. People out stealing mufflers <laughs> to try to make a living. My God, that's a sign of death, of spiritual separation from God, the desperation of the human experience. Amen. So here came this spiritual death and then through the, through the chronological teaching of the book of Genesis we see men and women living the hundreds and hundreds of years because they had no knowledge of how to die. Sin ran its course in their life and many of them it took six, seven, eight, nine hundred years. So that shows us that spiritual death produced physical death. We were never created to die. I've said that in so many funerals and I get the same look at every one of them. When I get up and I just sell it, you were not created to die. It is unnatural to, get to die. God did not create us to die. We fight it with every fiber of our being. We have all these huge hospitals, no matter what you may think about medicine, what it does or doesn't do, we still as a human species have fought death since day one. Amen? You say, why? Because it's an enemy. It's an enemy. And man spiritually died physically died, and in his physical death, he became eternally separated from God. So very simply, we see death in three forms. Spiritual death, separation from God. Physical death, because of spiritual death. And then we see eternal separation from God, because those that were spiritually dead physically died. Thank God for the plan of redemption, and we get to live on the side of it in which we do. 
I mean to tell you I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God rescued me through the cross that Jesus came to this earth made in the likeness of men and stretched his hands out in crucifixion and was tortured upon that cross so I could be saved. My goodness, why can't we wake up to the reality of that truth? Well, one of the reasons is, is we are on this earth. It is falling. There is an adversary called the devil, and the darkness is coming upon the earth. Let me just say this, just kind of a little rabbit trail for a moment. You're going to have to, in the days ahead, fight to keep what you have. I'm talking about spiritually. Fight to keep what you have. And then double your efforts to move forward. You say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. God will grace you to do that. God will grace. You say, well, you know, I've gathered a few more years. You know, let me tell you something that God spoke to me in prayer. I shared this with a couple of preachers, and they said, you need to start telling people that. So I am. But I've been praying, and you know, we always pray and we talk about revival and moves of God and outpourings of the Holy Ghost. And you know, I know in the past few years, we've really been praying over the youth, and different generations and all this, the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to begin to pray and believe me for mighty revival to begin to take place in the age group between 35 and 75. And I said, well, Lord, why is that? And the Lord spoke to me and said, most of the people that are in that age bracket, many of them them that know me, know who I am, know about the move of the Spirit, know about the Word of God, have gone to sleep. Their, their, Their love has waxed cold. But it says it's that very group of people that God used to bring a mighty move and a revival into the earth. And God wants to revive, because what is revival? It is the bringing back to life of that which is dead. Amen? And I thank God for all of our young people and our youth and our young adults. And we're going to, listen, we're going to do everything we can do to, to see revival across the board from the cradle, you know, to the however old you want to live. But I believe God is waking up in this generation. People who know God, but they're kind of asleep right now. It's kind of, in the spirit when you pray, it's kind of like a narcotic, a spiritual narcotic has got upon them. A toxin or a poison. It's kind of like, you know, they've been to two or three or four churches and, and been disappointed in this and that, and this didn't happen the way they thought, and a little offense here, and then I prayed and that didn't happen the way I thought. And people, get, they get discouraged. They begin to back away from God. They begin, they begin to compromise their, their, their fellowship with God, and they pull away from that wonderful relationship, and they just kind of get into a limbo and a routine of life that they can live with. But I'm praying God stir them up. Amen. 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 I tell you, the Holy Ghost knows how to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfort. Those that are comforted. Amen. And I'm praying that God begin to move by His Spirit. You say, well, what do you mean by that? That He gives them disease or a car No, that just sitting there at home watching TV, kind of in the limbo of life, that something on the inside will begin to stir. That they'll begin to think things like, you know, all them crazy people down there at Island Church having church right now. They're talking about Jesus coming back. They're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. They're talking about signs and wonders and miracles. They're talking about life and not death, light and not darkness. How'd we get off on that? It was good anyway. Psalms 22. Now, I'm going I'm to do my best not to labor through this. Y'all know that's hard for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Down through the Old Covenant, as the Old Covenant prophetic gift would operate, many times it would, it would go out into the future. It'd be like when, when God described it, like looking in a, through a porthole and seeing a section of time, a period of time in the future. David was like that. He was a Messianic prophet, and Isaiah was like that. Now, with that in mind and understanding, everything that Jesus did, he did to fulfill the word of God that was spoken about him. So through the scriptures, there should be descriptions of the events that would transpire that would be his suffering, his agony, and his dying upon the cross. Because its relevance to us and humanity is so much more than that of martyrdom. Let me say this. Jesus was not martyred on our behalf. 
Let me say that again. Thank God for all of the martyrs, Christian martyrs, all of those that have given their life to preach the gospel, those that have given their life for their, for their fellow soldiers in war or whatever, whatever it was. Thank God for anyone that would give his, give his life for his brother or sister. But God gave his life for us. And it was more than just a martyrdom. It was an acclamation of all the curse that was in humanity. That's why Jesus had to come in human form was to take that and accumulate that upon himself at the cross. Before that, what he did was reveal the nature of God as he walked upon the earth anointed by the Holy Ghost, doing signs and wonders and miracles and showing everybody this is what God is like. This is what God is like. He doesn't throw stones at women caught in the act of adultery. He heals women with the issue of blood. He heals blind beggars. I mean, he just showed this is what God is love. He cares. He has compassion. He's generous. He's supernatural. He's loving in his kind. And then he just sets his face like flint, the Bible says, toward the cross. And just like many of the redemptive writers who have looked into redemption through the, through, the, through the eyes of the Holy Ghost, they've said this, many of us need to realize that these, these letters to the church are x-rays looking into the spirit realm, what happened, not just, not just a portrait painted. So first we're going to look at the portrait painted. Amen. This is the portrait. Just in verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So we know we heard that where? Anybody ever remember where you heard it? Right there on the cross. This is some 1,800 years before the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What is David talking about? Now listen, you go down through this, you, you, you listen to all this, it's just, it's just amazing. Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my, of my roaring. Uh, my God, I cry in the daytime, uh, but thou hearest me not. And in the night, a season, and am not silent. And you go down and read through the scriptures. Now, I want you to go to verse 6. Is it verse 6 there? Yeah, 6. It says, but I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of their people. And they that see they that see me laugh me to scorn. Now notice this. And they, and they uh, spit at the lip or spit at me and shake their heads saying, He trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him seeing he delighted in him. Does this sound like anything to you? This is exactly almost word for word what happened right there at the cross. Now why is God telegraphing this? Why does he put this in his word? so that we will see that it's not some singular event that just so happened upon the earth, that this plan of God was a predestined eternal plan that was taking place, just like it's taking place right in front of our eyes right now. When the cross took place, it was literally eternity playing out a drama right there on the earth. <laughs> you say, well, what difference does that make? Because that's what you've become. Through the work of that cross and the power of that resurrection, your life upon the earth has been eternity acting out a drama upon the earth Amen. to glorify your God. Amen. Maybe that's a little too deep. I don't know. <laughs> Amen? It says, I was cast upon from the womb. Glory to God. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. He begins to go on. He begins to describe literally the crucifixion. Down in, a, down in uh, one verse he says, uh, let me find it here. It's getting blurry on me. It says, for the dogs having cast me, the assembly of the wicked have, uh, what is that word there? I can't even see it. Have included me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Thank you, Lord. Now, I can't see because something's wrong with me. I can't see because I see God's glory in here. And I have ever since prayer. Prayer kind of got wild, and then ever since then, I've just been noticing the glory of God in this place. So don't uh, fault me for not being able to see words. I just can't see them because I just see the glory of God in here. Amen? I tell you, you can start talking about heavenly things and start talking about the cross and start talking about the power of the cross. I tell you, the, the whole atmosphere gets infused with that word. And in that word is life and in that word is power. Amen. 
And God wants us to experience that life and power. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I say things about things I see and sometimes I don't. People think, you're crazy. Well, I think I am. But I like being crazy. Psalms 22 is literally a picture of the entire crucifixion and his suffering. Amen? That the, that the psalmist David, who was also the king, priest, and prophet, got from God or got from the Holy Ghost. Now God is setting up in the word of God the reality of what? Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. So we have established prophetic and then we're going to go to Isaiah 53, established prophetic. Then we have the act itself of the word of God dying on our behalf and raising from the dead. I mean, really, you don't need anything else. Isaiah 53, quickly. The great redemptive chapter spoken 800, what, 850-something years before it ever happened. My goodness. Qualifying also the prophecies of David. But then, then Isaiah's did something a little more than David's did. It personalized it. Amen. As, as uh, Randy's dad sang, if it had just been one person, God would have done it. Amen. You say, well, that's how valuable you are to God. That's how valuable. Remember in the garden, what did man lose? Lost his value, lost his dignity, lost his purity and his purpose. Through redemption, what did he get back? Got his value back? Amen. Got his value, got his dignity back? Amen. Got his dignity back? Got his purpose back? I mean, we could start talking about what we got back. We got it all back. Everything lost in the garden, we got back through redemption. But God didn't put the garden, you in the garden. He put the garden in you. Amen. The cross. Everybody say the cross. Crucifixion is a method of capital punishment in which the victim is tied or nailed to a large wooden beam and left to hang till death from exhaustion and asphyxiation. Now, this was written under it, you die trying to live. Think about that. That's what it was. It was asphyxiation. I uh, read another account of how the Roman soldiers had learned to crucify in such a way that by pushing up with your legs as they bent at a certain angle and then having to pull up with your arms, you could breathe. So you begin strong, but as the day wears on, you get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker till your own strength cannot push you up to breathe and, and the diaphragm of your body is, is straining to try to get air and you can't do it and you finally just collapse and you die of asphyxiation. Horrible way to die. Horrible, horrible way to die. But now Jesus had other issues. I talked with somebody the other day because they were asking the question of death upon Jesus. Because he was son of man, but he also carried this element of his spirit not carrying the death of Adam. So he was alive and living, but he was alive and living in the life of God, not with human life, but with eternal or the God kind of life. Now let me just throw this out, and you can go, you can go study it on your own according to Scripture because it takes faith to believe it, and you've got to study to dig it out. But he would have hung on that cross forever. Beaten and bruised, bleeding, but he would not have died because beatings and bruisings and, and crowns of thorns do not kill you, nor crucifixion. What kills you is sin if your spirit man is pure. So without that sin nature, there was no reason for death to grab hold. Actually, there was no legal right death had to him then Isaiah sees it in the spirit realm like this. Notice it. Notice it there in verse, uh, in verse 4. Surely he hath borne our sorrows. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But we did esteem him uh, stricken and smitten of God. But he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. Now, this, com this comprises the entire human experience. Wounded for my transgression. Wound is an outward cut, gash, 
break an arm and the bone goes through it. It's a, it's a wound, creates a wound, has to, has to heal. Amen? Sin, trespass, individual acts of sin, that which we do on the outside of our body, Jesus was wounded for it. In his being wounded, now listen to me. In his being wounded, he accumulated every act of sin that every man or woman has ever committed. Now your mind can't measure that, so don't even try. But he took it upon himself. Then he was bruised. I'm going to say bruised. That's an inward wound. Iniquity is on the inside. So he bore every act. Then he bore the force that creates the act. Iniquity. He bore that. Then the chastisement of our what? Peace. Peace is what rules the mind. You need peace in the way you think. Peace in the way you feel. And peace in the choices you make. And everything about the world, flesh, and the devil steals your peace. Can I say this without getting in trouble? Don't get used to living without your peace. If you don't have peace about something right now, you start working real hard to get that peace back. If you've gotten into something in your life or something's gone on or I don't care what it is, you, you start using the principles and laws of God and you recover yourself like David did that time. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. Get your dignity back. Get your value back. Get your purpose back. Get your worth back and live for God like never before. Amen. Hallelujah. Then by his stripes, we are healed. Now the argument of those that, that oppose the doctrine of healing. Well, Brother Rusty, that's all spiritual. That's not true. Because the acts of sin are physical. The iniquity is spiritual. The chastisement of peace is soulish. That only leaves one thing. That's your flesh. By his stripes, we are healed. So he took upon the cross and accumulated everything wrong with the human experience because if you're going to overcome death, you've got to overcome everything that causes it. So he took our sin. He took our iniquity. He took our depression. He took our addiction. He He took every sickness. He took every disease. He took everything wrong with the human experience and he accumulated all upon himself. And listen, as I see it in the light of redemption, when he said, it is finished... Well, then what was finished? A lot of people say, well, the old covenant was finished. That's not true. Because Jesus appeared unto Mary Magdalene at the tomb and said, don't touch me, don't touch me. That's under Old Testament law. He hadn't poured his blood. He said, I'm not yet ascended into heaven. But go and tell, hallelujah. <laughs> you've got listen you got to wake this stuff on the, up on the inside of you you kind of sit there like hey, hey, hey. listen <laughs> you've got to let the word of God dwell in you richly Amen. people look at me and say why are you getting so excited because listen I live in this every day in him I live and move and have my being and when I begin to realize to, to, to what extent God went to to get me out of this junk and the power that he gives me through his word. I get real excited to be able to get to live in this at a time in which the whole world's going berserko. Amen. 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 So we have, for the entire human condition and everything that causes death, Jesus accumulates and he says, I've got it all right now. I've got it all. It is finished. And he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he gave up the ghost. Amen. Now, go if you will. Let's close with this. Go to Galatians. We were here the other night teaching on something else. But go to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Now, I've traveled enough to have seen a lot of big cathedrals and churches around the world. Some of them very beautiful. But the more religious they are, the more they keep Jesus on the cross. Amen. Uh, But thank God he's not on the cross, but there's great significance to that cross because there's power in the cross. Now, if we were to determine right now, Pastor, what 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 would be your conclusion? What is the power of the cross? It's the power of death. 
It actually says it in the Word where it says in Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 20, we're, we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we also walk in what? Newness of life. So God provided us with a death. Now people say, well, that's, that's in type and shadow. We understand. No, 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 it's not in type and shadow. In reality, the cross belongs to us. And in reality, the first power that ever worked in your life that was of God was the power of the cross that broke you loose from sin and iniquity. Thank God for the cross. But if we don't camp out at the cross, we're going to go on Sunday morning into the resurrection. But there's so much glory and power in the cross, it pays at least one Friday night a year to camp out around the cross. You say, why? Because it's the cross and what went on on the cross that separates us from everything the devil tried to bind us with. Sin, sickness, disease, you name it. All you've got to do in the Word of God is begin to apply the power of that cross and you can be free from anything. You say, how am I free of it? You die to it. You enter into the death that Christ has provided so that you might come out on the resurrection side with his life working in your life and in your body. So instead of God saying, what I'm going to do is, is, is make available to the church the product of the cross so that at any time they can go to the Word of God and study a few things about the cross and then they'll see what Jesus did. for That's not what he did. God said, what I'm going to do is play out the drama of the cross through my son. Through my generosity, I'm going to give the greatest gift of the universe, and that is the very Word of God that keeps the universe together. And he's going to die, and he's going to bleed, and he's going to offer his blood upon the mercy seat, and throughout eternity, he will be a God living in a flesh and bone body. Amen? In the meantime, instead of just offering heavenly parlor tricks to my church, I'm going to cause my sons and daughters to be born again into the family so that the effects of the cross will not be the history of their heritage, but it will be that which affects them that brings them into my body. They die to the first birth and come alive in the new birth. They die through the death of the cross and they come alive through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are born again, dead to the world, the flesh of the devil, and alive unto God in the spirit realm. So God says, I want them to know that, so I'm going to give them a few scriptures. So we, we, we said one the other night, so we'll use it tonight. Galatians 2.20. I am, I am crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but... Christ liveth in me, and the life in which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. Look, I, I, I like this. In, listen to this in the, in the Passion Bible. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me we live in union as one my new life is empowered by faith of the son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine Amen. There's a lot of people living that ain't alive. But I tell you, Jesus began with the power of the cross to bring life and liberty to any whosoever would call on his name. My own testimony of the bondage I got myself into through not living for God for several years of my life is the testimony of the power of the cross. Now, not that which just delivered me out of that. That's the testimony of the intercession of my family and other friends and people that, uh, that knew our family. But my own journey into the freedom that God supplies for us through redemption began with a revelation from the Word of God, Galatians 2.20, from the cross. 
The first thing I realized, according to Romans chapter 12, is I was going to have to renew my mind with the Word of God where I didn't think like I used to think. I was going to have to start thinking what the Word says. And in order to do that, you've got to see yourself in the light of the Word and not in the light of your past failures or mistakes, or you'll never see yourself as God sees you. You're so valuable to God. God loves you so much. God has invested the world in you, the whole universe, all of his creative power, his spirit, everything that he is, the light and life is in you. He's invested it in you. And he got it in there by being able to cleanse that which was not right nor righteous, which was filthy in his own eyes, which had to be cleansed with the blood and for years was cleansed with the blood of bulls and goats, but in the last of the last days was cleansed by the blood of his own son. As he issued in, ushered in a 2,000-year dispensation of the acceptable year of the Lord in which the dominant force of the Lord on the earth was not judgment against sin but life that produces righteousness. The, the glory of God, the generosity of God, the compassion of God, the love of God, the kindness of God, the grace of God, and listen, where we make mistakes, the mercy of God. For His mercies are new every morning. I began that journey actually as a young Bible school student. I was just 28 years old. I knew I needed something. And I got some teaching from a, from a minister who taught redemptive things, still does to this day. I, I, I view him as probably the, one of the top redemptive teachers uh, that's ever taught on redemption. And he, he, he sent me uh, actually two boxes of, of cassette tapes at the time. First one I, first one I, first one I put on, first, first cassette tape I listened to was your identity in Christ and how to appropriate it. Find yourself in the Word. What does the Word say about you? Can you make it personal? The Word says you're more than a conqueror. The Word says you're healed. The Word says you're prosperous. The Word says you're delivered. The Word says you have joy. The Word says you have peace. How do you appropriate that? You believe it in your heart and confess it to his, to, uh, with your mouth. To this day, Galatians 2.20 is still one of my premier confessions that I speak over myself every day. Thank you, Father. I was crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for me. Day after day, year after year, month after month, down through the decades. You say, well, what does it do? It daily, see the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed. It daily renews me with the reality and the revelation of the power of that cross keeping me continually dead are separated from that which I used to be and that which I used to do. Couldn't do it with human willpower. Wouldn't work. Like all of us, the failures that we, <laughs> that we obtain trying to do it ourselves our own way through willpower. But thank God the, the cross is a place to come and humble yourself. It's where salvation begins where you can Put up your hands and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And thank God God provided a Savior that died upon the cross and accumulated all that we were so that we might have all that He is today. We don't serve some image. We don't serve some religion. We don't serve some ideal or religious philosophy. We serve God Almighty who loved and gave Himself to us. Isn't that good? Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship You. Lord, we thank you for your word. That the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. And tonight, Lord, let the power of that cross begin to work in people's lives. In Jesus' name, that death which separates us from sin and iniquity, that which provides for us eternal life, the plan of God, that gives us the value that God gives his most precious possession that removes the walls the human family has built around itself where there are some that are up some that are down some that are to the right some that are to the left but thank you the true equality of God is realized in the church in the body of Christ and in him
thank you for it, Father. These days that are coming, let the light of redemption and its power and grace rise up in our lives like never before. We ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Everybody have a communion implement here. Everybody got one? Anybody need one that doesn't have one? If you'd lift your hand up, bring one to Joshi. Praise God. Anyone else? Raise your hand. There's Right here we have another young lady that needs one. Praise God. The captain and Cindy, they need one. Praise God. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My, my. Let's just lift our hands for a minute. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Heavenly Father. We glorify your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul writes to us. Don't you thank God for his word? My, my, thank God for the word. (laughs) I remember. Listen, if you've never had experiences with the word, you know, you you need to really serve God a little more. Amen. I was in Hawaii. I was down in Waikiki and I was fasting and praying and surfing. You say, you can't do that. Well, I did. (laughs) Hey, man, I wasn't eating. I was surfing. I surfed for two days. I ate after those two days and I was fasting and praying. I was preparing. Leah was flying in to a conference we didn't know we had scheduled. And I was studying redemption in my hotel room. My routine, I'd get up in the morning and go to a surf spot that was right by the hotel, come back, pray a little while, lay on the bed and rest, study, meditate on the Word, do the same thing in the afternoon. The evening I'd take a walk, come back. You know, after all that activity, I'd be ready to go to bed. Did that for two days. The last day I was studying, and I was in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12. I'll never forget this. And I was meditating on the Word, and that the Scripture says, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And like the, 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 the flash of a, of a camera. Y'all remember those old cameras had the square little thing on top and you'd push it and it'd flash and then it'd turn you'd do it, you know. I mean, just about as fast as that flash. Boom. You know, it just, I saw this, this, this glorious picture of Jesus pouring his blood on the mercy seat. And the blood upon that mercy seat and it being just as, it was this beautiful deep ruby red but it was like glistening like snow would glisten if you've ever seen a fresh snow like over the mountains of Colorado or somewhere and you look out it almost looks like there's diamonds out there that's what it looked like just glisten I got so thrilled you know I always say do you feel anything I felt something that time (laughs) I felt something just went through me and I saw that glorious blood upon upon the mercy seat and I thought my God, the, the price is paid. And, and when Jesus looks at me, I mean, when God looks at me, he looks through that blood of Jesus. And he sees me cleansed and righteous and holy. No matter how many times I've failed, if I get up and appropriate the power of that blood, he still sees me that way. I remain a new creature daily. And I got to looking around the room. Uh, the, it, was a, it was a bed up against the wall a dresser with a TV, a chair in this corner, a little table and a lamp, and windows that open. That beautiful uh, 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 trade wind breeze would blow through there in the afternoon. No, was, uh, never mind. Anyway. And so uh, it was that, that kind of day, and I got up off the bed, and I'm looking around. I'm thinking, well, man, I tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run. And I thought, I'm going to jump out that window. But then I remembered I was three stories up. But it just so... It, it just so thrilled me. I've had other experiences with the Word I could describe. But the Word is designed to be like that in your life. 
where you enter into to meditation, that takes time. That takes getting quiet. That takes getting alone with God. But I'm telling you, God will give you some experiences that will blow your mind. I don't know why I said that. Find the, find the little tab on the top for the, for the host for the bread and carefully remove that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we'll do that. Now, verse, uh, verse 26, 25, 24, somewhere there. It says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. Everybody say, unto me. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it. Break that little host if you can without destroying it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me. Now his body was broken. The skin, the muscle tissue, the blood ran out. But he did it all for you. And his body was broken so that you might be made whole. Amen. So I just by the, by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, if you're believing you receive healing, I say it like that because a lot of you come here and I teach you that when you, uh, when you pray, believe you receive. So sometimes we believe we receive and we shall have it and we remain in a fight of faith for a period of time. My prayer for many months has been for those that are fighting what I call life diseases that people, they think they have to live with, the, the asthma and arthritis, diabetes, allergies, things like that. No, 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 no. You can be healed by the life and the power of God. Amen. Amen. You don't have to live with that. And let me just say this. You don't have to die with that. Amen. Amen. So as we take the host, and I'm going to pray a prayer. If you're standing in faith believing that you receive, just kind of take your hand, place it over your heart, and just tell the Lord, I believe I receive. Amen? Now, Father, with the bread, the host we have in our hand, we recognize the great value of your body that was broken upon the cross. And Lord, uh, us that are believing, we receive healing in our bodies and declaring your divine provision from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. Letting our bodies, you God, the devil and every symptom that tries to come against us. Letting everyone know we are the healed of God. Not trying to get something that we don't have, but rejoicing on that which we do have. For God has given it to us in Christ. Therefore, in honor of that broken body, we believe we receive healing into our bodies as we receive the bread into our mouth. Hallelujah. Receive of the bread. say, Pastor, that sounds kind of religious. I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I thought it was pretty cool. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Oh, my. Put your hands up one more time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Now, thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. After the same manner also. He took the cup when he had supped, saying, The cup is the New Testament. Now notice the phrase, in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink, or you drink it in, here it is again, in remembrance of me, in remembrance of the significance. Now carefully, if you will, remove the top off of the, off of the cup. I know for many that communion is just a religious ritual that their particular church or denomination performs without really understanding its true significance. But listen, this is a celebration. The cross, the cross is a celebration. When we realize to the extent of that which God went to, I've always said it like this when it comes to faith. Because sometimes faith takes a great effort. There's a great fight of faith. 
So not only is there the benefit of you receiving the answer that God has already provided, but there's also the recognition of that which was given for us to have it. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I want to be healed. Yeah, I, I like the comfort that healing produces. But I so value the gift that God gave and what He went through to get healing to me, deliverance to me, life to me. Oh, my goodness. So tonight, that blood upon the mercy seat. And, you know, us old Pentecostals, we've heard the, you know, our mamas, our grandmothers, they all pleaded the blood, pleaded the blood. And I'm not against that. But in reality, according to Scripture and revelation of the Word, the blood pleads for you. For your healing, for your salvation, for your deliverance, for everything that God has provided for you in Christ, the blood stands as a sure sign of the reality that God not only wants it to be proclaimed and revealed to you, but for you to experience it and live in it. Right down here in the midst of the nasty now and now. Hallelujah. Father, oh, in great honor, of the blood, the blood, the blood that cleanses, the blood that sanctifies, the blood of the New Testament, the blood that purchases the church, the blood that cleanses the temple so the Spirit can abide in the vessels of men and women. My, my, my. Thank you for the blood. In great honor of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that it does in our life, we receive of the cup in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now stand if you will. I know you've been sitting a little, a little while. Don't want you to go to sleep yet. Now just lift your hands and worship God. Lift your hands and worship Him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Open your mouth. Lift your hands. Open your mouth and lift your hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 I keep hearing this in my spirit. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Hallelujah. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Thank you, Father. Many times decisions that are difficult are the answer to the question. There's a reason that it's difficult. Reason that it's difficult. Thank you, Lord. Don't mistake a roadblock a red light in the spirit. Don't mistake it for an attack of your adversary. For I do at times withhold and delay that your faith may be strengthened so that your joy may be full. For in many cases, the adversary did not bring a partial attack upon the faith and heart of my children and those that believe. But it was a total attack in its fullness. Therefore, I desire to bring a wholeness and a complete restoration and reviving of the goodness of my plan and purpose for your life. So stand fast and firm on the faith in your heart. Do not be moved to the right nor the left. For the perilous days as talked about in the Word of God. They dawn upon the horizon in a terror and a horror in which the human mind cannot comprehend at this point. But that which is coming upon the earth, you'll be cocooned and kept by the word of my power and the ability of my spirit in you and upon you. So gather the families and gather the loved ones and tell all that will listen and hear. Now is the day of the Lord and the time to serve Him 
with all of your might and to rise up in the power of the word and overcome in your current circumstances and declare the victory of your God and enter into the identity of your redemptive rights. For there is a fullness of my spirit in the unity and the agreement of my body that will manifest in these last days that will empower you to partake of even the power of the worlds to come so that my glory will be revealed and my power might deliver from the darkness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yeah, I'll do that. Before we close, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine about two days ago, sharing some of the things the Lord has placed upon my heart. He was sharing some of the things similar. We talked about it. And the Lord reminded me of something oh, about 10 or 12 years ago. It was right after, right after uh, Ike, right after the, the, the hurricane. And I had leased a little piece of land over in Winnie that I was going to hunt on that year. And it was the early uh, season. There's a little early season in which a small bird flies through called a teal duck. And we hunt them in September. And I was getting ready to do that. And I was over in Winnie. And while I was there during that day, a low pressure system came off of Corpus Christi. And within about four or five hours, we had a tropical storm right off, right off of Freeport. I was actually driving home was getting dark as I came through Winnie on 124 and on 124 as I came up over the as I came up over the uh, the intercoastal waterway I looked back to the east and I saw all these headlights and I thought what in the world is that I knew there wasn't anything out there but marsh and rice fields and I thought what in the world is that and so I got on over that bridge a little bit where I could where I could uh, make, a, make a call on my cell phone and I called a friend of mine uh, that lives there and I said, hey, I just went over the, the, the Causeway Bridge and back to the east, on, they're on the White Ranch. What are they? There are a bunch of people out there driving around in trucks and stuff. He said, no, those are combines. I said, those are combines. He said, they're cutting the rice because the storm is coming. And when storms come, you have to cut rice at night when it's dark. I had forgotten all about that. And the other day, the Lord spoke to me and he said, harvest in the darkness. And it just flashed in front of my mind. That picture of those combines and all that light out there, how God gave them the light to move in the darkness and get the harvest in. And there was darkness all around and the storm coming. <laughs> Glory to God. They were the ones in the combines getting the harvest. Listen, we're going to get to be the ones in the combines with the lights on. It may be dark all around. A storm may be coming. But thank God, thank God, thank God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I don't know if you're glad you came, but I am. My, my, lift your hands one more time. It's hard to, hard to leave this atmosphere. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your healing virtue. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your healing power. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, uh, yes. Now, th this happened to, to me and, to, uh, and, and to, to Doc. Where's Doc? Wave your hand. Uh, he, he treated a dog of mine for a year for, a, for an ear infection. And we could not get on top of that thing. He did, did some radical stuff trying to help, help, help old Cookie. And uh, he, I don't know what he was doing, but he, they were doing something, and he found a cracked tooth. Am I correct? And, that, and he pulled that tooth, and she never had an ear problem again. Hadn't had an ear problem this day. And, and I don't know, somebody's here, and you're having this symptom, and that symptom is so alarming you, but that symptom is a cause. Something else is causing it that's very simple and very simple to fix. Amen? 
So the Spirit of God is just kind of urging you right now. And listen, He'll give you the courage because sometimes it's very intimidating just to get something kind of kind of checked out. But God says He'll give you the courage and He'll open the right door, the right place, the right people at the right time. And you'll find out that that's nothing. That that's nothing. But the enemy's trying to make you think it's something that'll kill you, take your life. Amen. You need to know it's nothing. I said, you need to know it's nothing. Now put up your hands and thank God for that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's thank Him too. The Lord has really stirred this in my spirit. Let's thank Him for miracles, for workings of miracles. Creative miracles working in the kingdom of God. Father, you said to desire spiritual gifts. Yes, that we would prophesy, and we do speak from your inspiration. But, Father, we thank you for gifts of healing, special faith, and working of miracles, Father. Creative miracles, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I'll do that, and then we'll close. You know, the Holy Ghost gets to move, and he'll say some stuff. My goodness. You know, the Bible is true. And the book of Acts is true. And what we teach and preach, listen, it's true. We've experienced this healing, salvation, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the wisdom of the Spirit, gifts of the... We've experienced it. Amen? I mean, it's, it's working. But you know, Satan got in, into, into the move of God all the way, way back in the book of Acts with the Judaizers. And all up through the, And listen, there's been a poisoning of the pureness of, the, of truth and revelation. Amen. And it don't take much poison to, to, to get you pretty sick. But listen, in these last days, God, by His power and by the Holy Ghost, is removing the toxin of religion out of the flow of the Word of God so that there might be a fullness. Now, some of you might not understand what I'm saying, but that there might be a fullness of that which God wants to do. Now, listen to me. I'm saying this by the Holy Ghost tonight. I considered Brother Kenneth E. Hagin a prophet. And he prophesied one time in a meeting I was in that I thought, man, that's, that's pretty crazy. He said, in the last days before Jesus comes back, God will restore the gifts of the Holy Ghost in the church where the Spirit of God will move, in, will move in an unrestrained way to bring great glory to the Lord and bring great relief to the suffering of men. Amen. Then he said this. It was very unusual. He said, men and women will begin to experience the fullness of spiritual gifts and ministerial gifts. Not partial manifestations in which we've seen for many years, but the fullness of manifestation. He said, now with ministry gifts, people will begin to walk in the fullness of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastoral, and teaching ministries. Not like a partial gift like I've walked in. I thought, my God, if you've walked in the partial, what in the world will the foolish look like, fullness of that look like? Amen? So God's got some awesome things planned but we got to stay in that combine with the lights on and not get out in that darkness where that storm is. The Bible says, With these words in the last days comfort ye one another. As these perilous times come upon the earth, the light of God's gospel and the glory of His Spirit that abides and empowers you is going to cause you to rise above it all. For every catastrophe that has come upon the earth, God has created an ark. And this day is no different. Lift your hands one more time. Father, we worship you tonight. We thank you for your cross, for all that means in our life. And we declare as a church, we are crucified with him. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not us, but Christ lives in us. And the life we now live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved and gave himself for us. And Father, with the cross has broken off of us all of the power of Satan, evil, and death, your resurrection power, a foretaste of what's to come, the life of the new birth, the power of the baptism and the Holy Ghost, the preciousness of the power of your word. Oh, hallelujah. What a great day to live. Thank you, Father, for your protection, your safety, your blessing. 
Lord, thank you. You return us on Sunday morning fully expecting to not only proclaim but experience your resurrection power. For he is risen. He is risen indeed. We rejoice in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your great love and mercy toward us. We love you so much. Father, we walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.